Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. G'day and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. And again, another terrific episode on the way. You're going to meet uh, one of the very colourful characters of the city of Wyndham shortly. But before all that, our thanks to the Werribee Accounting Service and in particular to uh, Teresa Gambaro and the team there for their help and support of this uh, podcast. Uh, Werribee Accounting Service, of course, has been around uh, for a number of years now, a couple of decades, in fact, providing taxation and accounting services, not only to individuals, but to businesses and also their range of services uh, goes outside just uh, purely taxation into the legal area as well. So uh, give them a call on 9742 6235 or check out uh, their full range of services right across uh, both uh, finance and legal at uh, windpower.com.au. They're uh, in Werribee at 23 Duncan's Road, but of course with all the uh, the lockdown at the moment, uh, give them a call and uh, they'll set up a Zoom meeting with you or uh, they'll accommodate uh, uh, all the ways and means they possibly can to uh, to help you out with uh, with your either your tax uh, questions or uh, issues that you've got at the moment uh, that uh, that time of the year again 97426235 or the website winpower.com now, our guest today is a man who's delivered over, I think it's over 3,000 babies in the city of, uh, of Wyndham and in Werribee in the old days uh, over the last 30-odd years. Uh, you'll know him as a man who ran for Parliament last year, uh, but of course a, uh, a very well-known Richmond supporter as well in the footy world. And of course, I'm talking about Dr. Joe Garra. Uh, let's meet him now on the Talking Wyndham podcast. Joe, thanks so much for your time. I know you're a busy man, but uh, and the medical profession is, uh, I guess, uh, one that's right in the spotlight at the moment. Thanks for your time. Our pleasure, Kevin. Uh, is it a busier time, or, or has it been sort of, uh, let's say, the last month? Has it been busier or about normal? Uh, about normal. We went a little bit quiet probably five, six weeks ago, a little bit like, yeah, down to maybe 80%, but then it got back to normal, and just the last few days has probably dropped back just a little bit, but we're pretty, you know, we're still pretty busy most days and fairly constant. Joe, all uh, all uh, businesses and all all walks of life have, have changed uh, in the in the corona era, if you want to call it that. Um, obviously, from the point of view of being a, a, a GP, that's changed in terms of personal visits and, and video uh, sort of consultations as well. Has that been an interesting little exercise for you? Yeah, look, it's been interesting, and I think some of the changes will stay permanent. Like, we've put up um, big plastic screens at the front counter, so people who still come in with symptoms don't that way they don't infect the receptionists because they're the ones at most risk actually because they have the first point of contact with patients. Yeah. So I think those screens will stay. The um, receptionists like the screens. Yeah, they can still talk to people through them and um, and yeah, we've set up our offices a bit different, like put chairs further away from our desks so we don't have to be that super close to patients. And the phone, or we do more phones. Some practices do video. I think um, that'll probably stay long term, hopefully, because it's it's really good for follow up visits. Yeah. For example, if you've come in and had some blood tests done, then we can just re, you know, have a phone console a few days later to discuss the results. We don't actually need to actually physically see you for that. Yep. So I think in selected consultations, phone or video is really good. As an aside, there's been the worry that some companies have jumped on board to make money out of it. Yeah. So that loophole's being closed soon by the federal government to make it 
you can only bill a what they call a telehealth consult if it's a regular patient of the clinic. Okay. Because there's, there's been a few companies set up, you know, advertising phone consults. Yeah. Who have never actually ever seen the patient, which is actually quite dangerous. Yeah. You don't actually know the patient. Everyone, yeah. there's always someone looking to make a buck out of something out of some situations there. Um, Joe, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you get a, a sense or have you have you had a sense over the last uh, sort of, you know, couple of months that, that people are, are scared or is their knowledge of this virus good or how, how are we sort of handling that? Yeah, look, I'm not sure. I think um, there's so much out there. I think some people are, uh, lose in the basic message gets lost sometimes. And um, like the message I keep telling people is, look, you know, we've got space here. Use it. Just keep a bit away from people and, um, you know, stay home if you're sick. I mean, it's a basic message, but I think it's lost a bit in the whole noise of the whole coronavirus. And there's so much confusion out there with um, you know, incubation period, infectious period. A lot of people get confused, mix the two up. Yeah. Um, so to explain it briefly, like if you get exposed today to coronavirus, the average person probably gets symptoms in three or four days, but could be up to two weeks. And that's where we get the two weeks, you know, isolation period for people who have got in contact with someone. So you've got the two weeks to work out if they get sick or not. But the infectious period is probably a day or two before you get sick till a day after you're better. So that's a different, that could be as short as a week for some people. You've probably got a sore throat a couple of days, well, two days later, you're probably fine to go out. So you don't have to isolate for two weeks if you've got coronavirus. You could be out within 10 days, yeah, if that you, makes sense. Yeah, it's, a diff- it's a different, yeah, yeah, the incubation is different from the infectivity. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that we're all kind of a swimming in figures and facts and all that, and we, we kind of don't yeah. know sometimes what exactly we are dealing with. No. And the other important thing is a lot of people um, think if they've had a, a swab but it's negative, they're okay. The problem is we know that the test isn't 100% accurate. Yeah. There's about a 10% at least false negative rate, which is why it's important if people are unwell, even if they've got a negative swab, they still stay home. They don't go out till they're well. So they could, unless they've had an alternate diagnosis on the swab, like we're getting a lot of um, common cold virus coming back at the moment on swab. Yeah. Unless there's an alternate diagnosis, you could still have coronavirus, just that you've had a false negative test. So you've got to still stay home till you're well doesn't mean that a negative swab means you're out and about if Just you're in, unwell. In terms of uh, how uh, how powerful this, this virus is, where does, where does it sit in the uh, in the echelon of viruses if there's a, a pecking order? Yeah, compared to, say, with the flu, which is the most common one we get, it's probably 10 times deadlier, oh. and that's the problem. Like, if, for example, any winter you've got, say, 20 people in hospital with the flu, well, you'll have 200 people in hospital with coronavirus, and that's where suddenly... The hospitals get overwhelmed because the ten times sicker. The, so, the, yeah. the question, I guess, uh, we need uh, is: is the wind of the city of Wyndham uh, Health Services in, in in all the parameters that you see of that? Have we handled this well? I think so because the cases still seem to be um, confined to the northern end of Wyndham. Yep. Like we've done, we're now doing probably ten tests a day here on our own patients. We're not set up to be a big drive-through clinic, but. We haven't had a positive case yet at the clinic here. So I think a lot of central where there hasn't been much positive cases. So it's only the top end. So, you know, the, the hospital has got some intensive care beds, but not enough, obviously. So people will still probably be admitted into the main hospitals in the city, like Royal Melbourne and St V's, Alfred, Western. Has that, has that to you highlighted the, that, uh, that very, very desperate need we have for those facilities in this city? Oh, well, that's one of my... my um, Pet hates is the is the Werribee 
as of last year, only catered for 40% of its own population. Yeah. And the health department itself has their KPI at you know, 75 to 80%. So each hospital should be able to look after up to 80% of its community's needs. And we're, we're traveling at 40 and probably going to go down that figure because there's no plans to make Werribee Mercy any bigger. And you can make a hospital bigger without actually building, putting more buildings up just by increasing the funding to do more work. So there are ways to increase the hospital's capacity without actually building more buildings. Yeah. Yeah, no, For example, you can, do operation, you can do operations on the weekend if you, if you wanted to. Like, yeah, surgical wards to the empty out over the weekend. So you could actually say, okay, surgeons, if you're willing to pay, we'll do some more surgery on the weekend, get more cases for it. We know that yeah. you ran in the in the state government election in in 2018 against Tim yeah. Pallas. So I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but are you are you concerned that uh, in all that's going on economically in in all of this that we're we're living through at the moment and the strain that it's putting on economically that health will get a little left out in the mix when we come to kind of reworking the figures and and working out where the money's going to go, giving that that need that we have. Yeah, the worry is we've got all these um, projects on the go at the moment, like, yeah, the rail crossings and the Westgate Tunnel, that they can't actually stop. So I think any money has to finish off those first. So it's interesting how much money we've got left. And um, and with people, you know, losing jobs and um, people staying put, you might find that the state's revenue will start dropping and it creates more problems. You know, we've, our revenue is based on mainly stamp duty and a bit of payroll tax, but... Um, on GST, so people are out of work and stop spending, the revenue starts dropping. Well, there's that many areas where the revenue has dropped. I mean, even even if you want to think about the money that the government makes out of gambling and all those sorts of things, yeah. that, that that's non-existent at the moment almost too. Yeah, so yeah, it's going to be interesting in a year's time what, what the state looks like. I think it's going to look pretty bad. Um, uh, uh, yeah, and it's not a bottomless pit of money, uh, unfortunately. No, no. <laughs> and and but but health has to be you know one of the prime requisites of uh, regardless of which um, side of politics you're on. That has to always be one of the number one priorities for for any political party. Yeah, and you've got to look at distributing the the, the money you know properly and um, to where the people are. For example, they're building the new a classic example. I think they've made a mistake is the new Western. They actually moved it closer to the city rather than further out. Yeah. So the new west is going to be built, you know, a few kilometres closer to the city. I think, why? It should be pushed further out a bit to where the people are. So we've got to push things out to the suburbs where people are. Have we, uh, I mean, uh, we <laughs> often on this podcast we've talked about how we can't keep up with roads and we can't keep up with a lot of the infrastructure around. I mm. mean, you've been, you've been an obstetrician for 25-plus years in, in the city of Wyndham. Um, have we kept up uh, health-wise with our facilities? Uh, anywhere no, near? no. No, because no, maternity ward, Werribee Mercy has, has got a cap now on maternity numbers. So, you know, there's women in Werribee having to go to Sunshine have their babies, which is just ridiculous. I mean, the maternity ward should be big enough to cope with the population. But again, we've got more and more people moving into Werribee and often young families because it's affordable housing, but there's been no move to increase the maternity services. They've artificially increased them by making women go home earlier, which then creates other problems because they might not have the supports at home or access to, especially now, a lot of maternal health is done by phone consults. So Okay. A lot of the support to the community are, are lacking now for young mums. We so we're weighing babies here. Uh, mums are bringing their babies into the GP to have it weighed because they can't get into their maternal health nurse because they're working by phone. And I can't see how you can do an appointment with geez. a young mum by phone. 
Oh, no. Yeah. Gee, no. And we're certainly not uh, slowing down the amount of uh, the number of babies that have been born in this city. No, no. So, yeah, a lot of the, yeah, we're so far behind with healthcare, but it needs to be commitment from both sides of politics really to get us yep. back to normal. Yeah. And the same with like Melton, they were promised a hospital, but all they've got is a promise that someone's going to draw some pretty pictures for them. <laughs> for <a hospital. laughs> well, when we, when we promised a hospital in Point Cook or some sort of facility in Point Cook? Oh, to, that, yeah, they're calling it a, yeah, they're calling it a hospital, but it's actually, when you the devil's always in the detail. It's going to be a community hospital, but when you look at the detail, it's basically just a day centre. They'll, they'll have clinics there where you go for the day. No one will stay there overnight, so it's not really a hospital. It's a, they might have a, some dialysis and do some minor procedures there and some clinics, but, and it's going to be run by Western not by Werby Mercy, which is also a bit, don't quite understand that. Oh, okay. Um, so it's a, they call it a hospital, but it's not. It's a day, day clinic. Medicine has always been at the forefront of, uh, of any change, I mean, in, in technology and technique and all those sorts of things. Uh, but delivering babies is probably pretty one, one of the things that's probably remained pretty standard, hasn't it, in the 30-odd in the years, yeah. last 30-odd years? Yeah. Yeah, nothing's changed. It's all come out the same way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> either come out one way or you make a new hole and they come out another way. So there's no, there's no, real, there's no other way of getting um, Do you know the exact number that you've delivered? In where, I know it's over 3,000, but do you know exactly? Yeah, it got to 3,000. But it's, see, I stopped what five years ago now, so it's up to about three thousand. I know that I, I stopped keeping count. I used to keep count, but then it's got too busy to do it. Um, yeah. you've, you've done a few different things in the last few years. I mentioned that you that you ran for parliament in uh, twenty eighteen, yeah. and that begs the question: Are you going to run again? Uh, I've asked that. Everyone keeps asking me that. Yeah. And um, look, it depends on a couple of things. One <laughs> depends how angry I still am in two years' time. I suppose how frustrated <laughs> I am with what's going on. Yeah. Um, there's also going to be a redistribution of, of, of the state seats coming up next year. So some of the boundaries will have to change. I sus- everyone suspects there's going to be a new seat created in the West somewhere. An extra one, yeah. An extra one, which means it depends what – because I live in Werribee South, I really – if I do stand again, I really want to sta- I want to still stick to where I'm living and stand for whatever seat that is. So it depends on what that seat would look like. Yeah. So I know there's some proposals up to make the seat um, point hook – and Werribee, Werribee South, make that a seat, and, now, and then make the rest of and central Werribee, and that creates a, a new seat sort of in the northern bit of Werribee. But whether that happens, I don't know. So, you know, I'll decide, I keep telling people, I'll decide beginning of um, 2022 what I'm doing. There's also the federal election coming up before the state election, so... Ah, there you go. Um, yeah. so I'm, not going to run for that. I'm not running for that, no, but it just means <laughs> if I decide to run, I need probably clean air. I don't want to get caught up in saying I'm running and then there's another there's another election happening at the same time. You're so right. that will be before May 2022, I think the federal one's due. So it depends if Scott calls an early one or so it could be going to the polls next year. Who knows? Yeah. Um, your passion and uh, and commitment to the to the city is is well known. People who uh, who read the papers, you're you're often published in the in the local papers and in the Age and in, in the Sun, and obviously mm. very active on on social media as well. Um, yeah. the, the the changes that you've seen, Werribee sounds a, a really interesting area for me in terms of the way it's changed in the last twenty years. Mm. Um, it, yeah. it, the the marina's changed it, um, the the tourism precinct has changed it, but right in the middle of all that is the is the Werribee South Farming Belt, which is which is really not yeah. changed. No, and look, I quite like it. I think um, you know they've always got the battles every year with their water supply. I mean, at yeah. the moment, it's good; they've got one hundred percent of reliability, so they're getting what they paid for. But um, in bad years, they're dealing with salty recycled water coming from the treatment plant because that's got high salt. They've got to dilute it with river water, so. 
you know, they've got their battles. At the moment, they're reasonably pleased with the water supply. Their, their biggest factor is their water supply down there. And the old system they've got of the water right, where you pay for the right to have water, and you may not necessarily get the water you've paid for, and they don't get a, re- they don't get a refund on what they don't get. Oh, okay. They've, they've got, yes, the old system will pay for water right. It's, apparently, it's all around the state. But it's an old system where it's not like you pay for the water you use. You pay for the right to have, say, 100 litres delivered, and if they deliver 50, well, it's bad luck. You don't get 50 litres credit, which is different to what households do. We're used to just paying for the water we use. Yeah. Um, do, 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 have you got any sort of uh, worry that uh, the, the, the the farmers are under, you know, duress for, to it to become a housing estate, which is what you know everyone's always talked about that this generation will go. It's all too hard, and we'll we'll sell up. Look, I know some farmers would love to subdivide, um, others don't, and practically I can't see how they can subdivide because it's a big area, and all it would do is just create more and more congestion for people moving to work. There's, so they added all these houses down there. We've still just put the one road, the Westgate Freeway. So it just the town would cope with subdividing where it'd be south. Just the number of people. So and if you're going to subdivide, you've got to do it in a in a um, planned. You can't just subdivide a farm in the middle of nowhere. You've got to subdivide adjacent to where there's current population. So yeah, look, I quite like it in the end. The reason I moved down there was because of the way it is. It's quite it's very peaceful there, especially in summer. It's a great place to be. Yeah, Walk it, along the beach. I was going to say the marina's been the marina's been something really special that's added to it, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's slowly getting near the marina. I mean, yeah, there's, there's still apartments for sale and it's empty blocks, but it's slowly getting there. It's slow. It's just because it's that 15 minutes away from Werribee. Not many people are travelling down there for anything yet. So, but it, I think it'll come good eventually. If you had a magic wand and you could fix a couple of things really almost immediately, and that's apart from the COVID nineteen thing, uh, what, what what would about the city of Wyndham would you would you look at first and fix first? Oh, magic wand. Um, one thing I'd fix is get that bridge over the railway line at the bottom end of Wyndham Vale to connect Wyndham Vale up to the that west. What are they called? The West Interchange, where the um, service station is on the way out of Werribee. Yeah. So people in Wyndham Bath can get onto the freeway there rather than coming through Werribee. That would relieve a lot of congestion in the city of Werribee itself. So we just we just wait for state government to put a bridge there. Yeah. And fix Bland Road. Bland Road's an embarrassment, the condition of Bland Road. And so that'd be the road things and Duncan's Road between Werribee and the freeway. I mean, it's only single lane, there's potholes on the side. And so we're going to have this nice bridge going to Geelong soon by the end of the year and then with only one lane of traffic getting to it. So yeah. Yeah, it is. It so there's a road that needs fixing is bland and getting that alternate exit onto the Westgate Freeway down the west end of Werribee. That's the road bit. The hospital should be bigger and schools. Where we're struggling with schools. There's so many schools that we need. So we keep getting an occasional school, but we're, we're always always chasing our tail, basically. Yeah, well, that's been uh, the, the catch-up. Um, unfortunate has never never been able to catch up with, uh, with what we've needed. No. Because the growth doesn't stop. No, because you keep yeah, you yeah. keep bringing babies into the uh, into the yeah. city. <laughs> <laughs> Blokes like you keep bringing babies into the city. That's yeah, our problem, yeah. Joe. It's, it's, it's my, yeah, it's our problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame me. I've had the operation now. <laughs> <laughs> no more garras, Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old's the oldest baby that you delivered? Is, is what thirty odd now? Thirty year old? Uh, yeah, the first one was delivered because I started working with eighty eight. So there would have been someone I delivered late eighty eight. So it'd be like thirty. Yeah, there'd be someone. 30 year olds after yeah, just over 30, yeah. Gee whiz. Yeah, 
That's um. That's... Yeah, managed to do a couple of um second generation babies before I finished, so that was good. Um, that was exciting. Are you yeah. still you still enjoy the the? I mean, the, obviously, GPing is uh, totally different to being mm. an obstetrician. Are you yeah. enjoying the day to day work of that? Yeah, look, it's like any work. Yeah, you, you you have your good days, your bad days. Some days you think, well, am I doing this? I'm like, okay. oh, you like it, but you know, just the satisfaction that you're helping people is is what brings you back every day, really. I mentioned uh, earlier your connections in the community and, and the fact that you do get around and, and see a lot of things. What, um, in, in terms of the actual community stuff, uh, what, 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 what are you involved with um, at the moment there? Oh, well, I'm still the chair of the Ruby South Ratepayers, and um, so that keeps us, although we sadly haven't really had one meeting this year because of the restrictions, we can't meet with the community. Yeah. And that, that's always good. Um, I'm a member of the committee for Wyndham. That's often we have interesting meetings. We've got one tomorrow with. Um, Senator Hume, that will be interesting to what she has to say about financial aspects, and um, yeah, and just work. And as you said, I'm a bit active on social media, maybe too active. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did running for parliament change you your life in terms of uh, how people saw you and how people now react to you? Um, yeah, it was a, look, it was a huge learning learning curve. That was you know I learned so much in those few months before I ran, and learned so much afterwards about how it all works and. It sort of forced me to have a look at outside medicine and what else there is in, in the town, what else we need. And um, I sort of thought, you know, a lot of I'm disappointed that probably not more professionals get involved in in sort of political stuff because we get access to so many people from all different you know, walks of life, and um, you learn so much from just talking to people about what what the needs are and how they're going, you know, with current situation. So yeah, it sort of made me look. More outside the medical practice, a lot more than what I did beforehand. But what about the the, the politicking of politics in terms of uh, that, that's often a it's often a massive big handbrake as to actually getting anything done because you've got to do the politicking. Yeah, that's disappointing. You, you sort of learn that a lot of stuff happens not because of what's needed, but because of what I suppose I put favours that you owe someone in your own party that you know, and the factions in on both sides of politics is really disappointing that them. Um, People often end up in Parliament because of who they know, not because of what they can do for their community. Yeah, and um, you soon learn that some people are there to represent their political party, not the actual people that, that voted for them. And um, yeah, I find that disappointing. And yeah, I probably knew that already, but it just reinforced it when you hear about more of the, what goes on internally in politics. Well, the good news is that it hasn't soured you on it, which it does do to a lot of people. Yeah, well, I haven't been there yet. So <laughs> yeah. No, but, but but often <laughs> yeah. often just the process of, of going through yeah. it will, will sour someone on on having any further involvement in it. Yeah, and, and you learn quite a bit and you go, oh, that's really nasty. And you've got to say, well, I've got to just ignore the nastiness because you soon realise that the nastiness is only a very small percentage of people, but it takes up, if you let it, it takes up so much of your those mental energy to let it get to you. So you've got to go, well, Someone call me it. That's fine. It's their opinion. You move on, well, rather than uh, get involved in debates. <laughs> and I'm sure you copped your fair whack uh, during that uh, election campaign. Yeah, no, it was it was it was interesting. It was more often from um, the minor uh, people, not from the major parties. I think the major parties are a bit more professional in how they run things. So you know, we're often I was standing next to Tim, often chatting away, handing yeah. out how to vote cards, and you know, we got on fine during election campaigns. You know, yeah. So the, the I think the major parties. National candidates and the main people involved are all right. Often the fringe people in the parties are a bit um, can be a bit abusive. Yeah, but the main ones, no. Look, you know, we've all got it. We're all going to be neighbours. <laughs> 
Yeah. The day after the election, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think for different footy teams, I mean, you know. Exactly. I was about to ask you about <laughs> footy. Uh, I couldn't let this uh, this go by without mentioning your, your absolute devotion to the Richmond Football Club. Um, yeah. How are you feeling about footy in 2020? Because it's kind of weird and different. Oh, it's very weird, uh, very different. Um, look, I really miss going. I still watch every game yep. that I can. And, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it hasn't quite got the right feel, but I think, the season's starting to sort of stuff out a little bit. I think some of the um, flashier sides are coming back to the pack a bit. The guys, the sides have got a way to quick start early in the season where they had all the young players running around like lunatics because of the short quarters were helping them. But yeah. I think now they're going to get the grounds a little bit heavier and they're getting bumped a bit more by the bigger bodies of older sides. So I think it's starting to sort of help it this season. Like, you know, we're starting to climb back up, although we haven't played great footy yet, but, you know, we're sixth now and, um, you know, as long as we get up the top four before the end of the season, who knows? There you go. Every bit as passionate as you are every other season. Every bit as one-eyed as you are every other season too, as as we know, as we all know. Uh, Joe, uh, look, appreciate your time. Uh, really uh, have loved having you on this podcast. And uh, uh, take care of yourself and take care of the people of the city of Wyndham. Thanks very much. Pleasure, Kevin. Thank you. Well, thanks to Dr. Joe for his time and uh, and his passion uh, and his commitment to our community. It's uh, it's terrific, and uh, we wish him uh, we wish him well. And let's hope that uh, if you're a patient of Joe's, you're not seeing him uh, too much in the uh, in the in the near future. Uh, our thanks once again to the Warrabee Accounting Service too for supporting us in, in this Talking Wyndham podcast. And of course, you can uh, contact them on nine seven four two. 6235. Tracy Gambara is also uh, one of the uh, directors of RecLink, which we've talked about on this podcast a few times. Terrific organisation uh, right across, uh, not only just in the west of Melbourne, right across Melbourne and right across Australia doing some great work and Teresa putting back into the community there and putting back into the community by supporting this podcast. So if you have any uh, any questions about finance, about tax, about law, by all means jump on the phone and talk to Werribee Accounting Service 9742 623 they're at uh, 23 Duncans Road in Werribee. And, of course, you can uh, check out the website, windpower.com.au. Uh, stay safe, uh, keep healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Talking Wyndham podcast with thanks to the Committee for Wyndham. Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page. <laughs>